CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is a new podcast to the Inside Carolina lineup. Up in the rafters where 2017 ACC Player of the Year National Champion Justin Jackson and myself will be talking about all things Carolina basketball. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Be sure you subscribe to Inside Carolina wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube so you never miss out on any of the content the team at IC puts out. The support doesn't go unnoticed on this end. Speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us, so that's why I've got to mention our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. When it comes to Carolina Apparel, they have everything that you could possibly want. The T-Shirts, the jerseys, the hats, you name it, they will probably have it. It's great people and great customer service since it's locally owned and operated by alumni. You could visit them in person if you're going to be in Chapel Hill on Franklin Street or online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina, premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. All right, it's up in the rafters. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Justin Jackson, who's back with the Phoenix Suns on another 10-day contract. And Justin, since the last time we talked, we have two more wins to talk about where UNC beats up on NC State 180 in Chapel Hill, and then the Tar Heels grind out an overtime win on the road at Louisville. What have been your biggest takeaways watching this team the past week? Honestly, I don't want to speak too early, but it seems like they're starting to kind of find um, their identity a little bit, man. Um, You look at the game against NC State, um, obviously, it's always good as a North Carolina fan to watch them pummel NC State like they did. But kind of within that game, um, you know, you just kind of saw them starting to click a little bit, you know. And then against the Louisville team, you know, even if a, even if the team's not that great, going into Louisville is always a tough, tough crowd. Um, and so seeing them play the way they did and play through adversity and then come out with that kind of win, um, you know, I think they're – you know, I hope that they're kind of starting to click at the right time, you know. So I, I just I, I love to see them starting to kind of find how to play with each other. Um, you know, obviously, we all we always talk about our is always going to give you kind of that, you know, at least 15 and 15. Um, but then, I mean, you even see it, you know, Caleb Love struggled last game, but other guys, you know, were able to step up and and make plays down the stretch. So, um, you know, I just love to see them kind of starting to find ways to get each other involved, get each other going and things like that. Before we get into the basketball on this team at the NC state game, Roy Williams had his moment at halftime. It's been over nine years since Roy Williams first visited Tomball, Texas. It's, it's been that long already at this point. What is it like for you as a former player to see him celebrated and get his flowers with a banner now up in the same rafters where you're in and the national title that you guys won together in now? I mean, I think, uh, to be honest, he's not celebrated enough. 
um, the things that he did for UNC and honestly just college basketball in general. Um, I mean, you could go on and on, you know, um, for me personally, when I chose to go to North Carolina, um, it was mainly because of the relationships that I had with the coaching staff, including coach Williams. And that didn't stop once I got there. You know, I always, when people ask, you know, how was it playing for coach Williams? I always tell him he's, he was like a grandpa to us, you know, like obviously he, he had his crazy moments, right? Like his crazy coaching moments or, you know, he had to still be our coach, but um, you know, he was somebody that you could go into his office and just kind of chop it up with them. Um, and then everything that he did was to try to prepare you for life outside of basketball as well. And so for me, I can't thank him enough for those three years that I had with him. Um, they were the best, you know, years as far as basketball and, you know, just life in general. Um, and, you know, for everybody else, I think I speak, you know, for, for them as well, you know, the things that he did for us and for the game of basketball will never be, will never be forgotten, you know? And so I hope that he's able to enjoy his retirement. Um, but honestly, we should be celebrating him every single game if we're going to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad to see him uh, be celebrated like that and especially come out with a win like that too on that day. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that when you met Roy Williams, he was a hall of fame coach already, but if, if you really think about it, in the, in the nine years since that visit, you can make the argument that he's put together another Hall of Fame career where you go to a Final Four and you get you go to two Final Fours, you go to two national championship games, and you get the national title. But in the state game, you had the Roy ceremony, and then you also had the 1982 team celebrated. In your experiences, what has it been like meeting somebody like Michael Jordan who has the aura to him as one of the greatest competitors of all time and kind of think about at the same time that you guys, I don't want to say same level, but you guys are almost on the same level coming from the same program like North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, you know, anytime you see Mike, a guy like Michael Jordan, it's like, you feel like kind of the power, I guess I would say. Um, unfortunately for us, like the only real time, that we ever saw him and he ever spoke to us was after we lost the national championship. So, you know, and he's uh, talking about, you know, use this as motivation and all this kind of stuff, man. At the time we were so like, we were so emotional that like we didn't hear nothing, you know, for us, we're like, did you into six finals and won six finals? <laughs> like, um, but no, I mean, anytime, anytime you get to meet or just be around somebody that great um, it's always it's something that I feel like that you're able to kind of take and it is kind of like motivation. You know, you, you do kind of want to take kind of that competitive spirit or kind of how he carries himself um, to kind of your, your life as well. So, you know, I'm sure that was pretty, pretty dope moment for, for the team and everybody that was able to be around them. And I was saying same level because there's only two players in school history, ACC player of the year, national champion, NBA champion, you and MJ. <laughs> <laughs> hey man we'll leave we'll leave that we'll leave that comparison <laughs> out the window a little bit i think there's a uh a large gap between <laughs> me but i appreciate that last week we talked about this unc team winning ugly and this week unc gets two wins and 
two very different styles, blowing out NC State and then grinding out a win at Louisville. How do you think that helps this Carolina team with them finding ways to win at whatever cost? Yeah, I mean, that's super important because um, I always say, like, they're not always going to be pretty. And so, you know, obviously you had a game like NC State where they dominated from from the jump. You know, they had everything going. Guys were in shots. Threes were falling. Um, and then you go into a game like like a Louisville in a hostile environment. You're playing against a team that, you know, just lost their coach, basically. Um, so they're kind of just playing with nothing to lose. Um, and you, you're able to grind that out. You know, once you get into the, AC, you know, ACC tournament, not, you know, NCAA tournament, you have games like that. You know, I, I always I always think back to the, the Arkansas game that we had the year that we won it. Um, you know, I think we were down by like six or something like that in the fourth or in the, you know, with like probably five or six minutes left. Um, but we were able to kind of grind that out. And those are the games that usually are able to get you kind of over that hump, you know, to get to where you want to be. So I think it's really good to see them going through kind of these these games and this experience as far as trying to just find ways to win. Um, Cause it's going to, it's going to come in handy once, once they get into the tournaments. A crazy stat from the Louisville game was North Carolina did not score a bench point in the win. It's the first time the Tar Heels didn't score a bench point in a win since November 18th, 1998 against Georgia in the state game. The bench comes in and HD rips them during a timeout for for the play kind of dropping off where Carolina was up 30 plus and they only win by 20 and then the Louisville game you don't really get too much bench contributions in football I know it was you know you could practice all you want but there's nothing really like game reps to simulate what you're going to see do you think the same is true for basketball or how do you get a bench to come along mid-season yeah, it's definitely – there's nothing that simulates a game other than a game. You can do extra conditioning. You can get up extra reps. You can shoot to your arms fall off. Um, but there's nothing that really gets you ready for the adrenaline, the speed, um, the way that the defense is guarding you or the way you're having to play defense until you actually get into the game. Um, you know, I think it is tough because at the end of the day, Coach Davis is just trying to find ways to win games. And so, you know, when you see kind of, like you said, against NC State, when you see the bench come in and, you know, they kind of let NC State go on a little bit of a run, hit some shots, things like that, um, it is tough to – it's tough to expect that Coach Davis is going to continue to put you know, guys out there for extended period of time when that stuff happens. Um, but at the same time, they always have to be ready. You know, I, kind of my whole career, it's been, you know, just stay ready, stay ready when your time comes, right? And so for guys like Kerwin, Justin McCoy, um, anybody else that comes off that bench, they just have to stay ready. And when their time comes, they've got to be able to, to deliver. So, you know, hopefully they can keep that mindset instead of, you know, getting down and out about not playing as much or not being able to do as much, you know, against Louisville as they normally do. Um, but that's just kind of what they have to do to try to help the team win in whatever way they can. You mentioned Caleb Love's performance against Louisville, and I don't think it's a question. He's he's the most talked about player for this UNC team. And you saw again why in the Louisville game when when he's on, this team is on another level and 
when he struggles, this team looks like a team that, you know, can't get out of their own way. And it's mistakes that it, it, they make you want to rip your hair out. But when you're looking at Caleb Love, I have two, st- two stats that I wanted to share where UNC is 17 and one when Caleb Love scores at least 16 points. And UNC is nine and zero when Caleb Love has at least five assists. We've talked about him getting to understand the importance of team basketball, but how do you juggle that with the thought that he is the, the straw that stirs this drink for this Carolina team to have success? Yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, man, like the fact that Caleb Love has talked about so much means he's doing something right. You know what I mean? So I don't think he should take it as, you know, oh, man, these guys are on my back. Like, he's obviously doing something right, you know, and like you said, he is, you know, we always talk about, you know what you're going to get from Armando, right? You know what you're going to get from him. Um, But Caleb Love is kind of that guy, that X factor that like, okay, if this guy gets it going, then they're a really, really good team. Um, And so I think for him, you know, he's hardwired to score, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's just, that's just what he is, that he's a scorer. but being kind of that facilitator um, for the team, it's just a matter of kind of seeing how the defense is playing you, you know, and, and if you're not, if you don't have it going that day, then get other guys involved. You know, I think somebody that did that perfectly was, was a Marcus or a Joel, you know, those guys were, they weren't pure point guards, right? Like they were scores, you know, they were hardwired to score as well. Um, but Joel always knew that, like, if we needed a bucket, I was actually just talking to Luke the other day. Um, and he was just saying, like, Joel or, or even Marcus, they always knew if we needed a bucket, you know, what we could go to to get somebody the ball, you know, whether it was getting Bryce the ball my, my sophomore year or getting Marcus the ball in a spot that he wanted to my sophomore year, getting Kennedy, Isaiah, um, guys like that the ball. We always knew what we needed to go to to go get that. You know, and so as as a, as the point guard, you know, you just have to kind of know like, OK, we've gone three or four trips without Armando touching the ball. Let's run something to get him the ball on the low block, you know, or we need to get Brady a pick and pop type, you know, situation so he can get open three. Let's run this, you know. And so it's just kind of that it's just a, it's kind of a maturity, um, you know, that you have to have as a point guard. But, you know, I think those stats obviously show you know, when he is getting other people involved, um, but also being aggressive, you know, that, that the team's pretty good. I mentioned on Twitter um, how love often wrongly gets labeled as selfish when to me, at least it's really an issue of him wanting to be the scorer for this team or an issue of feel and pressing because of his importance for this offense. The play that I was highlighting was when he takes a contested layup with a minute left in in overtime when Carolina's up five and there's still 22 seconds left on the shot clock. And as anybody who's ever played basketball, th- those are the plays where it's just like, what's going on there? You're <laughs> you're about to faint watching watching it kind of take place, knowing that it's something, it's really the only chance Louisville has to get back into the game. How do you improve basketball IQ or or that feel for the game? Or is it just something you have or you don't have? Um, you can definitely improve it. Um, but there are guys who just are a little bit smarter about the game than others. That's just kind of how people are, <laughs> are made, I guess I would say. But you can definitely improve. 
I think with Caleb, you could tell at times, and, and you know, maybe this was in Louisville, when he is kind of struggling, he starts to press. Like as a, as a scorer, and especially as somebody who kind of takes that, that pressure on for the team, when you don't have it going, you just want to make it happen, right? So it's like, okay, this next opportunity I get, I got to go take it. Or this next shot, if I get even a, you know, a, a glimpse of space, I'm letting it go. Um, and so I think with him, that's kind of how it is. And I think that kind of goes back to figuring out when to be aggressive, when to get other people involved. But as you know, that's, that's just kind of how it works for a score, you know, and what's funny is, you know, you've got people that might talk crazy about, you know, why is he shooting that shot? Why is he doing that? But he's hit that same as those same exact shots before in games and people applaud him. Right. So if we're going to, you know, sit here and, and watch him make those shots and, and take those difficult shots and things like that, then at times when he takes them and misses them, we got to live with the same exact, the same exact thing. So I think for him, it's just, you know, th those situations, it is a matter of time and score. You know, if you're up five and you've got a minute left, you got to go and just pull that one out. You know, you got to pull it out, run something, get a good shot. You still might not score that possession, but as long as you run at least 15 more seconds off the clock and you get a, you know, a really good shot, then you've done your job. So I think for him, it's just a matter of, you know, maybe film is something that you can learn a little bit more, uh, but it's really just kind of the feel of the game, you know, seeing when, what the time is, how much you're up, what you need to get. Um, so he'll be all right. Yeah, especially with how well he shot the ball at the free throw line this season. I think he's over 84%, and he's I think he's in the top five for, for the ACC for free throw percentage. So at the end of the games, there there really isn't somebody you want on the line more than Caleb Love for this Carolina team. And if fans aren't talking about Caleb Love, you can almost guarantee – that they're talking about Leaky Black. And I thought it was brave in Leaky's uh, post-game press conference after the Louisville game. He mentioned how he's dealt with anxiety and how he's been able to talk through it with Jackie Manuel or a therapist. Can you shed some light on the pressures that come with being a Division One basketball player at a school as big as North Carolina where you have whether – it's people on campus or on social media who are a bit too comfortable and things that they'll say to you. Um, so am I supposed to stay like, you know, are fans supposed to still like me after this podcast? Or, <laughs> um, I, I think it, it's tough um, because when you sign up to go to North Carolina, right, a school of that pedigree, one, you know, that many championships had that many great players you kind of sign up for the pressure that comes with it um now with that being said <laughs> north carolina has the best fans right but when things start going bad those fans get a little bit uh i'll just use the word toxic i guess um and so like you said it is brave for leaky to mention you know, the anxiety and the things like that, that he has been dealing with. Um, I'll always remember my freshman year. Um, this is actually kind of what got me off of Twitter a little bit. Um, my freshman year, I think it was a, uh, I can't remember what game it was, but I remember I didn't play well. We might've lost. Um, and I go to my phone 
And obviously under the mentions, it's everybody talking about the game, whatever. And I will never forget there was a tweet that said, man, Justin Jackson does not deserve to wear a UNC jersey. Right? And as much as we as athletes were supposed to, you know, just let that ride and just kind of keep on going, we're still humans at the same time. Right? Imagine if I were to come get on Twitter Right. And I was to, to come and say, man, Taylor Viplis, his podcast is the worst podcast I've ever listened to. How in the world does somebody let him get a mic? Right. Like I've had a couple I, of those. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to get on there and it was thousands of fans saying the same thing, like it gets to you. You know what I mean? Because then like you're still having to go out there and play. It's not like that was the last time that you played. You still have to go back out there and play. And, you know, especially once you go into the Dean Dome, you know, it's like, OK, half of these fans were the fans that were in my mentions talking about how I shouldn't be playing the game of basketball. So I think for one, the fact that Leaky was able to find people that he could talk to and kind of, you know, work through that. Cause if you really look at the way he's played the last couple of games, man, Leaky's played really, really well. You know, I got to give him all the credit. Um, you know, he's played really well on both ends of the floor. Um, and so I'm happy that he's able to, you know, talk through things with somebody. Um, but at the same time, an alert for fans, man, like everything that you want to say maybe isn't good to send to the players. Um, you know, we don't enjoy seeing people hate on a bad game or hate on us as a player. Like we hate seeing that. Um, and so as fans either encourage your team, cheer for your team, um, and be on their side at all times, or just don't be a fan. That's kind of my, that's kind of my take. You know, you can't be a fan that's, you know, oh my goodness, Leaky Black is so amazing. And then all of a sudden he has a bad game and it's like, oh, get rid of this guy. Like you can't be that kind of fan because us as players, we, we hate those type of people. So, um, you know, I think it is, it is a thing that you just sign up for when you go to a school like UNC, but at the same time, fans can do a better job of just encouraging and being on the side of the players that they, you know, are supposedly fans of. So um, that's kind of my take. Yeah, I think that's something where, you know, y you need that constant reminder and you you can't say enough of how how the players kind of feel, especially, you know, these are when you're probably getting those tweets that first time you're probably 18 years old, you know, exactly. go, going back to a dorm, going <laughs> going to class the next morning where it's like you, you already have a ton of stuff that you're dealing with as an 18 year old trying to come up um through through college and you don't need that that extra but really really anybody in those situations doesn't need um that hate and that negative attention but turning our attention to the duke game this saturday this is a game where everything gets magnified and the biggest rivalry in college basketball as a player how do you not let the emotions get to you and the atmosphere with everything that kind of comes along with the rivalry <laughs> Um, for one, don't turn on your TV because everything that's on TV is about Duke and UNC. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny, like the rivalry is so much, don't get me wrong. Like we go into the game and it is our big, biggest rivalry, but the rivalry is so blown up on steroids because of the fans, right? Like UNC and Duke fans go crazy over this game for us as players. Like we get more hype over it but we try our best to look at it as another game, 
right? So even with college game day, um, you know, them coming into the Dean Dome, Coach K, you know, it's Coach K's last game in the Dean Dome. Um, you know, it's it definitely has a lot more momentum to it. But I think as a player, you try your best to just look at it as another game, right? And so whatever that might look like, you look at film, the you know, the same amount of times, you get up the same amount of shots that you have all season, um, you know, and you try your best to do that. But, you know, for them, this is this is a big test, you know. So I think for them it's, you know, let's let's lock it in for the next couple of days um, and let's really get ready to try to, you know, to try to get them up out of there. What are some of your favorite memories in the Duke Carolina series that you were a part of? Um, probably the best one was, you know, sealing the, I guess, ACC regular season my sophomore year at Duke. Um, that was pretty crazy, even though I don't think I played very well that game. But shout out to Marcus knocking down the free throw at the end of the game. Um, that was a pretty, pretty dope experience. With, you know, you see the meme all over the place of coach coming in there you know, and us throwing water everywhere. That was the game. Um, that was, that was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and to be honest, I had a, not a great record against Duke while I was at school. So I can't really say there was a ton of good memories, but I think that's definitely number one. Um, cause obviously sealing that ACC regular season championship at Duke, that was a great feeling. So that's probably number one. As a player, what is it like once you get back to the locker room after beating Duke and, you know, you're checking your phone and you're, you're seeing the scenes from Chapel Hill, you're seeing the scenes from Franklin Street and everybody rushing. It's like, how much longer are we going to be here? Because I'm trying to go out there. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, I never one time got to make it to Franklin Street uh, while everybody was out there, you know. Um, you would have needed your own security out there. Well, well, I think the problem was the only two times that I won against Duke was that game at Duke, which obviously we're not going to really make it back in time for that. And then we won one at uh, at UNC. But I want to say something happened where we couldn't make it out there. Um, but it is it's crazy. Like, see, those like that's exactly what I'm talking about with the fans, man. Like that stuff right there is what really gets us gets us hype and gets us excited like seeing people rush to Franklin street, seeing people celebrate wherever they are and post it everywhere. Like that's, that's the stuff that really gets us motivated, right. Is is seeing that and wanting to make that happen. Um, but yeah, I was always bummed that I never got a chance to make it to Franklin street. Cause it looked like it was, it looked like it was wild. Um, so yeah, that's, that stuff's crazy. What is the, ticket situation like for players how early are you sorting something like that out so it's not something that you're worrying about you know 24 hours before tip off yeah tickets man tickets were always for me it was always it was always easy because it was just for my family um but the problem is my family was always five and not four and you always get four tickets so games like that um usually my mom or dad would have to figure out who was going or you know, who's staying back. Somebody's uh, getting left at the hotel. Somebody's getting left. <laughs> um, but yeah, tickets were, that was always something that uh, I never really had to stress too much about. I think once I got to the NBA was whenever tickets, you know, people start coming out of nowhere, you know, 
in a random city like hey bro you remember, remember me, me? <laughs> back in fourth grade bro we played on the same team man what's up um, i think we're cousins i think we're cousins yeah i think i was just looking at 23 and me and i think i think we are like third cousins four times removed um but no like tickets were they were pretty easy because it was usually just my family but if you ever tried to get anybody else into the game especially for those kind of games it was always interesting carolina putting their perfect home record to the test 12 and 0 in the dean dome carolina wins they're in shared place in first with a bunch of other teams in the acc for as crazy as that sounds, as crazy as this up and down season has been for Carolina, that Saturday is a chance for first place in the conference, 6 p.m. on ESPN on Saturday. We'll be back next week to break it down as well as the Clemson game on Tuesday. But Justin, thanks for the time. Always a pleasure, brother. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.